Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. So would you help me right now? Let's put our hands together. We want Brother West to preach to us today. Praise the Lord, everyone. Man, it is good to be living hope today. I got to tell you, what you feel here today, you don't feel everywhere. And I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord that's here. And I believe that the Lord wants to do something today. Man, I thank you so much, Brother Staten, for the kind words. And some of them, maybe especially uh, as it relates to, he, he called me a great preacher. I mean, he is a great preacher. I'm just trying, okay? I'm just telling you. So I, I hope he didn't set me up for failure for you to be disappointed. But uh, but it is an honor and privilege to be here today, and, and I honor the Staten family. We love them so much. Uh, Pastor Staten, Sister Valerie, and their children. And, of course, Bishop and Sister Staten, we love them and, and give them great honor. Uh, they're a great inspiration to us. I do want to take a moment. Don't get, don't get worried. I know there's a fine line between a long church service and a hostage situation. And so I'm not going to hold you hostage today. Uh, but I do just want to introduce you to my family quickly. I have a picture I'll show you just so you can see uh, what, what a good job I've done. Uh, Parker is. Now I say, you know, they, they look good. I did a good job in that sense. They don't act good. I still got work to do. Uh, Parker is seven. Uh, and uh, Bennett is five, and then Remy, our brand-new baby girl, made right here in America, uh, seven months old. And, uh, and with the girl, we are done. I declare it, decree it, add it, add it to your offering uh, statement that you make, just so we know that it's going to come to pass. We are done. Uh, but... Uh, but pray for our family in all seriousness. Of course, you know you're so close to uh, this area. You understand the great need that exists there and also the great amount of influence that the enemy has over the area. But we know that the only way the enemy can control something is if the church lets him have it. I mean, just because the enemy controls something doesn't mean he owns it. The Bible says that God is the possessor of heaven and of earth. And so every city, every place, every community, I believe it's God's. No place too dark, no situation too unreachable. But if God can do it in any city, He can do it in every city. And so we do ask you to pray for us and, and uh, pray that, that God would open up the doors of opportunity for us to get to the city soon. And we believe that 2021 is going to be that year. And uh, certainly if God would lay it on your heart to partner with us, then then find me after church, and, and I'll let you know how to do that. Uh, we want to turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter number 24. Uh, not an unfamiliar portion of Scripture today. 
I, I said there's a fine line between a long church service and a hostage situation. It reminds me of a, of a story about Parker that I, I love to tell. Uh, how many of you have been in a church service that's lasted too long? You'll be honest and say there have been times. Pastor appreciation was a few months ago. You can be honest. So my son Parker, he was in one of those services. If you ever meet Parker, uh, you'll have a little, uh, this will give you a little better understanding of him. But he was in a church service that he thought went too long in Sunday school class, actually. And, and he decided he was going to do something about it. And uh, he had an idea that he thought was ingenious. He raised his hand, interrupting the teacher in the middle of her lesson. And he says, hey, hey, my stomach hurts. You need to go and get my mom and tell her we need to leave now. Now, this was before COVID. Uh, so, you know, now if, if a kid tried this, we'd call in the National Guard, burn the church down, start over again next week. But uh, at this point, before COVID, the teacher says, okay, you're going to be all right till the lesson's over. But as soon as it's over, if you really want to leave right then, then I'll go and get your mom. But she knew something that Parker didn't know, and that is that this particular teacher had a habit of passing out candy at the end of her lesson. Candy that Parker had disqualified himself from because his stomach hurt. So she begins passing out the candy, skipping over my firstborn child, which I should have a conversation with her about. And while Parker was not wise enough yet to know that the whole my stomach hurts trick was not a new trick, he was smart enough to know that he was in trouble. So as she passed him over, she ra he raises his hand, interrupting her again, and says, well, hey, what about me? A am I going to get some candy? And uh, she says, well, Parker, if your stomach hurts, I don't think it's a good idea to get candy. But without hesitation, Parker just throws both hands up to heaven and shouts out, Jesus just healed me. And so, so pray for my family. They, the, my kids need the Holy Ghost badly. I think he'd make a pretty good politician. We're going to the right place. Luke chapter number 24, <laughs> beginning with verse number 45. He's a mess. Uh, someday you'll get to meet him. Brother Staten actually told him that he has an area to fish, so Parker's going to be down here. There's nowhere to fish in the swamp, I don't think so. Luke 24, verse 45, it says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But, ye, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And He led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I want you to notice again in verse number 50 what happens at the conclusion of these 40 days of ministry following His resurrection, the Bible says He led them out as far as to Bethany. 
and lifted up his hands and blessed them. I want to preach to you today about that place. And I want to ask you specifically, what will you do in Bethany? What will you do in Bethany? Before you're seated, would you lift up your hands to heaven one more time and ask God to speak to us through His Word. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for your presence, for your power, for your touch that we feel here in this place this morning. I pray that your word, God, that we know is always anointed, that it would be anointed on my lips and that it would touch every heart, God. Every ear would be able to hear what you would have to say. Challenge us through your word. Let your will be accomplished in this house, we pray. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I will remain standing. So please feel very sorry for me. You don't sit down in this church ever. I've been standing all church service. Luke chapter 24, the setting of our text this morning, covers a period of time that amounts to 40 days. It begins with those who made their way to what was to be found to be an empty tomb. And then it covers uh, this setting of days where it gives a detailed account of some of the interactions that Jesus would have with His disciples before it concludes with what is our text today with His commission and His ascension. This chapter begins on the heels of what would no doubt be the single greatest test of faith that the disciples would ever endure. As one believer is quoted in this chapter describing her emotions and the heartbreak of having witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus Christ in verse 21 when she says, But we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. She said, we believed that He was the one. We trusted that it was Him, that this guy that we had been following who had declared Himself to be the Messiah, we put our trust in Him. And it seems like it was all in vain. Of course, these believers don't yet know the end of the story at this point. All they have at the beginning of Luke 24 is the stories of a few of an empty tomb. And they are trying to reconcile those stories with their own terrible memories of watching their hope fade away with every labored breath of Jesus as He hang there suffering on that tree. But it is to those same people, the doubters, the fearful, those who just a few days prior had watched their hope fade. It was to those same people that the Bible tells us Jesus suddenly begins to reveal himself to afresh. You can read it for yourself, but over and over again here in this gospel's account and in every other gospel it tells a similar story that Jesus shows up where they are at. One time even 
showing up in a room where the door didn't even open. Can you imagine? Jesus would have to raise me from the dead. You're going to have to do another miracle, God. Just showed up in the middle of a room with a closed door. In fact, Luke would, would tell the account in this way in the opening verses of Acts chapter 1 verse 3 when he says to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs by who to who rather to the doubter to the discouraged to the despondent to those disciples who had thought that their trust in Jesus had been in vain to those disciples who thought that they had uh, put all of their stock in the wrong company to those who thought that everything had been a great waste of time the Bible says he keeps showing up in their lives over and over again and when he showed up he showed up with more than enough evidence for them to believe and trust again by many infallible proofs. Oh, Thomas, I know you've come into this season with doubt. You think you've seen more than you can handle, but handle me and see that I am alive. Oh, disciple, I know that you feel like I've, I'm died, I'm dead, and I've gone away, but look at my hands and my feet. I am still very much alive. I preach to you this morning and I tell you that Jesus did not avoid the doubter. He did not go out of his way to sidestep the skeptic. But over and over again, it was as though those were the people and the places he liked to show up. Right in the middle of the doubt. Right in the middle of the fear. Right in the point of the pain. And he showed up with plenty of evidence to believe. And that is good news for us. Because certainly if we were to be honest today, we have all found ourselves in places where we feel like these disciples. Wondering if our trust is in vain. Wondering if our faith was enough. And I preach to people this morning that you've come through a year that has given you plenty of reasons to wonder. And plenty of reasons to doubt as fear and uncertainty have been unwelcome but constant friends at almost every corner and turn. And I preach to you this morning that there is still plenty of evidence that He is alive. He is still on the throne. He is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He is still moving and working in our day and hour. You can still handle Him and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God has not retreated in some corner, but He is still high and lifted up. There is still evidence of his moving. There is still evidence of his power. And truly across this building today, we have heard and we have seen that God is still working miracles. God is still moving in our jobs. He is still able. Handle him and see. You may have come into 2021 with doubts, but your doubts don't detour God. He's still able to show up with evidence. You may have more questions than you have answers. 
But God is still interested in displaying His goodness in your life. He is still able to show Himself alive for you. So it was that Jesus spends these 40 days proving His life, proving His resurrection, giving them many infallible proofs. What a time to have been alive. Plenty of reason for all of them to believe. They saw His hands. They saw His feet. They heard His voice again. After watching his lifeless body being peeled off of that rugged tree, they saw that body moving and working again. There was plenty of evidence for everyone to believe. And now Jesus is speaking to them about a promise that's to come in Jerusalem, about days that are about to change the world, days that the prophets could see just glimpses of. Joel would prophesy about it in the last days. Saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And yet now they are living on the cusp of seeing the miraculous, seeing the promise of God come to pass. And the Bible says that it's in this moment with plenty of evidence that Jesus leads them out as far as Bethany and from there they watched him be carried up into heaven as far as to Bethany it can almost be missed in the story as you read it so captured by the miraculous so enthralled by the supernatural here as disciples are hearing the promises of God and they're witnessing Him being whisked up into heaven. You can almost miss the fact that Jesus chooses Bethany as the backdrop for His ascension. He leads them to this place less than two miles from Jerusalem. And from there he is carried away. He leaves them in Bethany. And it does not take an in-depth study to see that Bethany was not an unfamiliar place for either Jesus or his disciples. It was from there in Bethany that the Bible records of Jesus performing the incredible miracle of raising Lazarus from the grave well past the time that anyone thought it was possible. It was from here in Bethany that a woman would come and break an alabaster box in an act of worship so significant that Jesus said that every preacher would have her story on their lips across the world and across all time. And it was in Bethany that the Bible tells us the disciples were so shocked after having witnessed Jesus walk by a fig tree with leaves but no fruit as they heard Him curse that fig tree and the next day come by and it was withered. And so now it's here that Bethany comes into focus again. This place with plenty of memories of the miraculous. 
Jesus chooses to speak his last words to the disciples on earth before they would witness him ascend to heaven. For 40 days, he had been with the disciples revealing himself alive. But now, at Bethany, he disappears from their sight. For 40 days, they have heard his voice. As he expounded on the scripture. But now at Bethany. His audible voice will be silenced to this group. It was a place where the miraculous had happened. Sure. But it was also the place where the miracles would stop. They were only two miles outside of that promised place that Jesus had told them to go to. But Jesus didn't leave them at that place of promise. He leaves them in Bethany. So the disciples had to make a decision in this moment. What will you do in Bethany? What are you going to do, disciples, in this place where you've been left behind? What are you going to do at this place just outside of the promise? This place where God is suddenly silent and all you have is a promise to keep going. And if you keep going, something will happen. What will you do in Bethany? And this, saint of God, is what I feel to preach to you on this Sunday morning. On the first Sunday of 2021. We all have Bethany places in our lives. And like the disciples, we will find ourselves feeling as though from time to time that Jesus has left us there. So I ask you on this Sunday morning, what will you do in Bethany? What will you do, saint of God, when you've heard his voice and you've seen his works? When you've had plenty of evidence that he's alive and he's working in your life, but suddenly you don't see him working and you find yourself in a place where you don't hear his voice and his works aren't seen anymore. What will you do in your Bethany? What will you do? When the signs of his resurrection seem to be all in the rear view. What will you do when you can't hear his voice as clearly as before? What will you do when all you have is a promise that directs you to keep on going. And you're stuck waiting for that promise to come to pass. What will you do in Bethany? What will you do? In the seasons where it seems like God is silent. What will you do. When the miraculous moments in your life. Seem to be nothing but a distant memory in your mind. What will you do. In Bethany. Bethany has two meanings. The first. Is house of figs. Innocent enough. But the second. And more shocking meaning for Bethany is house of affliction. Jesus leaves them in a place where plenty of miraculous things had happened. But it was also a place surrounded by broken people and sickness and affliction. As a matter of fact, 
Most Bible scholars believe that Bethany was a place that the sick and the affirmed often lived so that they were around people just like them. And that, I believe, is a picture of our world that we find ourselves left in today. What will you do when you're left in the house of affliction? When you seem to be surrounded by more brokenness than breakthroughs. What do you do in Bethany? And Luke tells us what some did. He says, they worshipped and returned with great joy. Those in the crowd, there were some that who even though they couldn't see him anymore, even though they, they couldn't sense his presence all of a the sudden, there were those in the crowd who said, I'm still able to worship and pursue the promise with great joy. Those who said, even though I can't hear his promise like I did before, I'll still cling to the promise with faith. They had faith and they had joy that even when the sign stopped and the voice was silent, that God is still alive and God is still working and God is still able. They said, I'll believe even though I cannot see him. There were worshipers in Bethany. I preach to you on this Sunday morning and I ask you, will you be a worshiper in Bethany? Are you able to push past the doubt? Are you able to push past the fear? Are you able to worship when you don't feel Him and you don't sense Him, when you don't know what He's doing in your life? I know I can't see Him, but I will still trust Him. There can be worship in Bethany. They were surrounded by brokenness and affliction, and yet it did not stop their worship. They could not hear his voice clearly, but it did not stop their praise. They could see no signs or no presence, and yet it did not stop their determination. They were so moved by what they had already seen. They were so compelled to pursue the promise of God by what had already transpired in their lives that it did not matter that they could not see Him in Bethany. And I'm afraid that if we were to be honest today, we have Bethany's in our lives, but we find ourselves allowing Bethany to determine our worship. We, define, we decide to allow Bethany and brokenness and affliction and trials and circumstances to begin to limit our praise and how we respond to God and how we pursue the promises. I'm preaching to you that if the only time you can worship God, if the only time you can pursue the promise of God is when you feel Him and when you sense Him working in your life and when there's plenty of money in the bank, you will not worship at Bethany. But I'm asking somebody today on this first Sunday of 2021, make up your mind. I will be a worshiper at Bethany. I will worship when I feel Him, but I will worship when I don't. I will trust Him when I see Him, but I will trust Him when I don't. My faith is not predicated on what I feel or what I see, but it is predicated on what I know. I know He gave me a promise. I know He promised revival. I know He promised to keep me, so I will trust Him. Come on, would you worship Him for a moment? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I preach to people on this Sunday morning that you've claimed promises that haven't come to pass yet. You feel as though you have been left just outside, perhaps just two miles outside of the promise in your own personal Bethany. You've claimed family members that haven't come to God yet. You've prayed for a revival that hasn't happened yet. You've seen God move and you've heard His voice. But on this Sunday morning as others worship with freedom, you feel as though you've been left in the house of affliction, surrounded by hurt and by pain. And it is as though Jesus has disappeared. Luke said, they were still able to worship in Bethany. They said, I am a worshiper, whether I am in Jerusalem or whether I am in Bethany. When I feel Him and when I don't. I've got plenty of questions in my life, but, but I still have a prom promise. God has proven Himself too many times for me to, to be silent right now. God has shown Himself. He's, he's given me too many infallible proofs. I've already seen His hands and His feet. So even though I'm in this broken place, I will trust Him. I'm preaching to somebody right now that you have not made it there yet. You have not seen every promise come to pass yet. And I preach to you that you've got to have a determination in your spirit. I know I need a breakthrough. I know I need God to move. I know it's not all working out yet. But right here in Bethany, I will worship Him. Somebody needs to let your worship begin to tell the devil right now. I, I may be in Bethany, but I know that God is good. I may not hear his voice right now, but I know God's on the throne. I may not have seen every promise come to pass yet, but I know God is able. Come on, you've got to make up your mind. My worship isn't predicated on where I am, but on whose I am. I'm a child of God. I have the promises of God in my life. God has done so much for me. He has brought me through too much. My praise isn't predicated on my position, but on my promise. In plenty and in want, in, in Bethany and in Jerusalem, I can worship in Bethany. Praise God. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands for just a moment. Would you just begin to commit that in your spirit right now? God, God, help me. Help me to push beyond the doubt, the fear, the discouragement, the pain, the hurt. Help me to walk into 2021 with a fresh determination to be a worshiper. Come on, the enemy's been... The enemy's been holding you back, been discouraging you, been limiting your faith, your trust in God because of where you feel like God has left you. But if God has brought you to Bethany, it's for a purpose. Hallelujah. I will trust you. I will lean on you. I will depend on you, God. There were worshipers in Bethany. But be seated for a moment. For some reason, Luke does not mention those that Matthew mentions in his gospel. Matthew says, like Luke, they worshipped him. 
But then he says, but some doubted. While there were some who were worshiping in Bethany, there were others who began to wonder if it was all a figment of their imagination. While some would run to Jerusalem with great joy, there were others who wandered around, never making that short two-mile journey to the upper room. In fact, of the 500 who saw Jesus alive, by many infallible proofs, only 120 would make it into that upper room because it's a lot easier to doubt than it is to worship in Bethany. I ask you this morning, I'm reaching and preaching to somebody today, and I'm asking you, what will you do in Bethany? John said Bethany was nigh to Jerusalem, so close to the promise, so close to the breakthrough, so close to the answer, so close, but doubt kept them out. Because while doubt can't stop God from coming to you, it can stop you. What are you going to do, saint of God, when you cannot see Jesus working? What are you going to do when His voice is not clearly heard? What are you going to do in Bethany? What are you going to do in that place where all you have is His promises and His word? Oh, you cannot avoid Bethany when all you have is the memories of what you thought was Him. But now seems so distant. Now what are you going to do when you've heard he's alive and you've even seen his hands and his feet? At least you thought you did. But suddenly now all you see is brokenness and affliction and sickness. Why would Jesus take them to Bethany? Why not just walk them those extra two miles to the upper room? And I believe that Bethany was his stop on purpose. And this is what I really want to preach to you just for these last closing moments. And it was this. Bethany was always a place that required a decision in Scripture. And that decision determines what you will see on the other side of Bethany. Whether or not Jerusalem is on the other side of Bethany or a wandering in the wilderness without the promise of God is determined by your decision in Bethany. The Bible says that Mary and Martha lived in Bethany and the music can begin to come. Their brother that they believed that Jesus loved lived there too. But now... Jesus did not come through the way that they had expected. And Lazarus is dead. What are you going to do in Bethany, Mary and Martha? What are you going to do in that place where God doesn't come through the way that you always expect? Will you worship Him? Or will you doubt? A decision had to be made. It's here in Bethany, as I said, that Jesus is sitting in the house of Simon the leper. When suddenly that woman finds her way into the home and breaks that expensive oil in an act of worship. While others sit there indignantly 
What will you do when you are surrounded by affliction and hurt? When God seems to be coming through for others, but He's not coming through for you. Will you worship? Or will you criticize the worship of others? Will you worship? Or will you doubt? What will you do in Bethany? Oh, fig tree! What are you going to do in Bethany? Will you sit there and say, the conditions aren't right, the timing isn't right, the season isn't right, when the circumstances are perfect, then I'll produce, when everything is going my way, then I'll be involved, when, when, when the money is right, then I'll do what God has called me to do. What are you going to do in that season that doesn't seem right? Will you worship? Or will you doubt? Will you produce or will you be accursed? What are you going to do in Bethany? I preach to you this morning as you begin to stand to your feet. That while I would love to say that with the turning of the calendar year comes nothing but promise and provision. That some of us walked right out of 2020 and walked right into Bethany. You feel like you've been left there. I thought he was a healer. I, I, I thought he loved me. I, I thought he was alive. But suddenly I look around and it looks like Jesus isn't here in this mess. It's like I'm in the house of affliction. I don't hear his voice and I don't see his hands. What are you going to do in that place? In your Bethany. You can, you can stay there and doubt. Or you can say, I, I still have his promise. He's still alive. So I'm going to keep pursuing the promise. Even when I don't feel Him. Mary and Martha, if you only knew at, the, at Bethany. That there is revelation and healing on the other side. But you've got to trust in order to see it. God's going to reveal Himself to you in a powerful way that you can't even imagine. But in order for that to happen, Lazarus is going to spend some time in that grave. What are you going to do in Bethany? Disciples, Pentecost is on the other side of Bethany. But you're going to have to push past all the fear and the doubt and the discouragement and make your way to Jerusalem in order to see it. Will you worship? Or will you doubt? The truth of the matter is, saint of God, that Bethany is a place of decision, but it's a decision that only you can make. Just because somebody else chooses to worship doesn't work for you. Just because somebody else chooses to believe isn't good enough for you. 
And likewise, just because somebody else chooses to doubt doesn't mean you have to doubt. I will worship in Bethany. I will trust in Bethany. I will obey His Word in Bethany because there is something beautiful on the other side of Bethany. The psalmist would say it this way, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. On the other side of Bethany, he that goes forth and weepeth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I know you can't see him with every head bowed and every eye closed. There are people who you feel like you are surrounded by brokenness and affliction and silence to God's voice. And I tell you, there is breakthrough on the other side of Bethany if you'll just worship. There is a move of God's Spirit on the other side of Bethany if you'll just believe. There is provision and healing and breakthrough on the other side of Bethany if only you can worship instead of doubt. Come on, wherever you are, even right now, would you begin to make an altar right there at your, at your seat, just standing. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you.